0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
1: It's so great to see you all here today. And um, our church is so blessed um, to be in partnership uh, with Gethsemane and Pastor Bernardo Gaballero. And uh, this is long overdue. But for us just to have a chance to have a conversation today about the incredible ministry uh, that goes on here throughout the week. And, you know, Bernardo, one of the things I'm so grateful for is how much of a blessing you are to me personally as a friend. There's so many times walking uh, during the week that you speak an encouraging word or pray for us or our new office suites that have just been done. You and your team knock that out so fast and have done a good job with that. But today I just want to have a conversation with you. To share a little bit, um, as one of our sister churches, tell us a little bit more about how Gethsemane got started and some of what God's doing.
2: Well, first, uh, good morning, everyone. I feel like in a spotlight. Oh, no, literally, I am in a spotlight. Well, uh, we are very grateful to, uh, to be here. Gethsemane Church was founded in 1995 in Bloomfield, Kentucky. The purpose of that mission was because it was a lot of Hispanic people working in the tobacco, tobacco back then, right? Tobacco. And, but in 2007, moved uh, down here because the work uh, ended up there, and there was not enough people to evangelize. So Carlos de la Barra uh, moved the church down here. So I've been 10 years already that we are here, and we are very grateful uh, uh, to be part of your church. Our church right now... Is running an average of about 130 people in every services, including the kids. We had about four or five different classes for kids in a Sunday school. We got four discipleship groups right now, and we are doing a lot of work trying to bring as many people as we can. Uh, to the church that doesn't know God, because that's pretty much the main purpose of our church is to evangelize and save people that are uh, lost in this moment.
1: And really, you know, you had been a part of this uh, church for a while, and, and then even, uh, I believe it was, was last year when the tragedy hit with Pastor Pete, uh, died tragically in an automobile accident, and and uh, then you, you um, stepped up and God called you to be the pastor here um, one of the things that I've been struck by over this past year or so has been your all's commitment to evangelism, going out into the neighborhoods. Um, where have you seen God at work um, as you seek to reach people for Jesus?
2: Well, I mean, I, I first have to say, it, uh, guys, it was a very challenged moment. Uh, Pastor P was uh, my mentor, was a, 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 a man of God that uh, we all love so much. He has so much love for everyone. So we wasn't expecting this. So come up to lose him, just all of a sudden, actually being a a year and a half already. uh, And I was in a very scary moment. I was serving him under him. I was kind of like an assistant pastor with him for years and and kind of like modeling the way that he was working with the church and helping him in every possible way I could. So when the time came, that God called me, you know, I did what most of us do, right? Yes, God, we would do. No, I didn't. I was afraid. (laughs) Uh, And and the first thing that I said, you know, I'm not ready for this. Uh, But God has a very persuasive way to talk to us. And he kept telling me for every single person, in the way that I was preparing the funeral and everything, there was one after another. I was praying, Lord, let me know. Lord, let me know. And it was one after another. I mean, the only thing you have to do is you show up and say, man, what do you wait for? Because, I mean, I haven't sent you the message every way possible, and I did a second. It was challenging. It was tough. It was the first time that I run a church. Our church is a multicultural church, which is great because we learn. We got about seven different countries in our church right now, and we learn so much for each one of them. But... The way that God was guiding us, and I was uh, uh, very privileged to have uh, Pastor Miguel Garcia, which is the assistant pastor of me, which has been a great, a great uh, servant of God, and he has been working with me shoulder to shoulder. And everything that we have done since then, the hand of God has been there. We have been blessed in every movement. Our main purpose right now is the vision and mission of our church is a church's disciple, creating disciples. So, Everything that we are doing right now is focusing and preparing people to reproduce the same system of making other peoples. And we are really surprised how God has been working on it because pretty much every Sunday we have guests that visit us uh, at the church. And the people are bringing it. We are about 35 to 40 people already graduated from the discipleship program. And we have two more classes that are going to start soon. And uh, uh, God is doing amazing things. We, we are really seeing his hand in everything we do.
1: It's neat and amazing to watch. And, you know, Bernardo, you, I mean, you have a full-time business you run as well, a construction uh, company as well. And I see your heart and passion, though, flow for Jesus. As you're kind of looking out maybe over the next year, where, where do you see God leading you as a, a church and congregation? Well,
2: I actually have three full-time jobs, I got my regular job. Most of the Hispanic church, we had a, a Bible educational pastor. I am blessed, and now I see. I mean, sometimes, guys, and I'm not going to be preaching. That's the job of your pastor. But sometimes we got faith in some situation in our life that we say, whoa, this makes no sense right now. Why are I going to do it? But if you obey God and you keep going that direction, you're going to see why he was leading you there. So now the way that I, I actually work in a construction company with my brother, since got my brother because he's holding uh, the heavy load, I am able to run a full-time business uh, doing the operation. My brother do more than the, the, the working part. But I, got, I, I have the opportunity to be a full-time pastor because I, can, I have my own schedule, so I can walk around, visit people, and do things. But I have uh, three kids and a wife, so I have a full-time family job too. So it, it is a challenge thing, but it's very rewarding. We get tired. I mean, we get tired all the time. Sometimes it's, like, overwhelming, and, and you feel like that's a lot, but you say, I'm doing the right thing. And all of a sudden, you know, God release you. Uh, we, like I said, the, the, the vision for a church in the next year, we're going to start with a principle, simple church, which is we're not going to be doing nothing any activity that is not going to be focused in the vision and mission of church, which a lot of you are going to be happy, so you're not going to see a lot of us here doing anything that isn't is, going to have an important principle for our church. And uh, without you guys, we won't be able to make it. We are very grateful of Westport Road. The leadership of this church is just uh, out of this world. It's not that I haven't. I mean, I haven't met people from many other churches. I mean, all our, most of our, the Hispanic churches are inside of an of a Anglo-American church. And I have been able to meet a lot of the staff, a lot of the pastors. But you guys are special. I don't know if God brings us here. We are modeling your loving way. Our church is very loving, very caring of people. But what you guys have done with us is amazing. Your leadership is amazing. The work that you have to go through. Mike, I mean, I can thank him enough. Pastor Chip, my brother Joshua, we got, I mean, Robin. I mean, they never hung up on me, and I don't know why, because I always call him. But they are, you guys are doing great. And let me tell you one thing. We have, right now, we just finished planting uh, the third uh, uh, mission in our church. The, the first one is a, a Crestwood, which is already a church, and there's two more in Shelby, and one here in, in Newport Road that we already planted. We are supporting and helping three more uh, missions in Peru and Mexico. And we're uh, we also working with a kid of uh, Felinat uh, in Haiti. So every time that you tithe, that you offer for this church, and you allow us to state, you are making the difference in each one of these countries that we are influencing. You're not only helping the people that are getting saved in this church, but you are helping every single people that get saved around the world. And there's one thing that the Bible says, one day we're going to know as we have been known. God knows us and know everything we do, but sometimes we may think, well, I may have not doing much different in my life serving God. If you support this church one day when you stand in front of God, God may show you. You see, all these thousands of people here have been saved because you were supporting your local church. And if long as you have that question, you be sure that you are supporting a church that is doing the difference in the world. And we thank you very much for that.
1: Well, we are so honored that you are one of the churches that we help support, uh, both with our location but also financially. Is one of the church plants along with East Point Church uh, that we're about to complete our three-year term of support for, for East Point, but we're ongoing with, with you at Gethsemane, and we w- we're having conversations about potentially even a joint mission trip um, between uh, Gethsemane and, and Westport Road. So uh, we're excited for all that God is doing, and just want to invite each of you tonight at 6 p.m. here at the church, we're going to have a joint uh, Thanksgiving worship service. There'll be wonderful music and a, and a message as a way to uh, worship together as an expression of the body of Jesus Christ here at Westport Road Baptist Church. I would love to offer a prayer for you first and over your church. And then if you want to then have a, a time of prayer uh, over us, that'd be wonderful. Will you mind if I pray in hispanic for you? Please do. Okay. Thanks. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my brother, Bernardo. I thank you for his heart for you, Jesus. And I thank you for the witness of Gethsemane Church. Uh, many, uh, their reach has been in the thousands over their history since 1995. But I pray that their influence would only increase I pray, Lord, that you would light a fire in their church through the power of your Holy Spirit that would be a, such a witness uh, in our community and throughout our world. Lord, we thank you for the chance to be partners as Gethsemane and Westport Road Baptist Church. And I pray that our partnership would only increase to see your kingdom come more fully in your
2: name. Bendito Padre, te damos gracias por este día, Señor mío. Yo te pido en el nombre de Cristo, Padre, que tú bendigas a cada una de estas familias que están presentes hoy aquí, Señor mío. Yo te ruego en el nombre de Cristo, Padre, que tu Santo Espíritu sea con cada uno de ellos, Señor mío, y que nuestra relación pueda seguir creciendo en Cristo, Señor mío. Gracias por todo, Padre. Te lo pedimos en el bendito nombre de tu hijo Jesús. Amén.
3: Hey, something I hope you know is that we live stream every week, and last week we had 400 people watched us live during the services. And so I just want to give a shout out to everyone watching live this morning. And one of the, uh, one of the things I also want to point out, I'm carrying my Japanese, uh, mug here with me that Becca Piercy got me during her mission to Japan. And we have 80 to a hundred people every week watching in Japan. And so if you are watching in Japan, send us a note and let us know who you are. Okay. We would, we would love to connect with you. So, uh, Uh, Just uh, glad to have everybody watching on the live stream. Can we count that on our normal numbers? Uh, Well, they're live. I mean, why why not? Hey, everybody probably knows uh, I am not real good when it comes to balance things, okay? Uh, I can't roller skate. I can't ice skate. I can't water ski. Uh, I go water pulling or something like that, you know. And uh, I remember the first time they tried to get me to go snow skiing. All of my friends went up, they told me how much fun it was. I actually took the little beginner's class, but everything was counterintuitive to me. They're telling you something like, you're on a hill looking down, and they say you have to bend forward and just go with it. Now, that's against every instinct any normal person has, to bend forward and just go down the hill. And so I would immediately start trying to correct myself and hold myself back, and so what did I do? I fell down. Have you ever fallen down with skis on? I can't get up. So my entire day was falling down and trying to get up over and over again. And then my friends after an hour or two said, hey, let's go in and get a hot chocolate. So we go in and get a hot chocolate. And they said, are you ready to go back out? And I said, you know, I think I'm going to pass. I've had all this ski falling and ski getting up that I can take in one day. You know, it was well worth it. That was just a couple hundred bucks so I could uh, fall down and get up for two hours, you know. So I really enjoyed that. But it's just counterintuitive. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. We're going to look over to Psalm 118 today. Psalm 118. And the psalm is about thankfulness. You know, I don't know if you knew or not, Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. So the the psalm is about thankfulness, but it's about thankfulness that comes in the midst of hardship and troubles. And that's not something we would think that we need to be be grateful for. And so it's not saying you need to be grateful for your problems, but it says even in your problems, we can have a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving. Now, this Psalm 118, uh, it was a temple psalm, and it was probably a processional psalm. And what I mean by those two things is it was used in the temple as worship. This was like a hymn uh, that was in your hymn book. So this was a part of temple worship, uh, this psalm was. When I say it was a processional psalm, they used it to enter into the sanctuary, So we're not going to break all that down today. That would take too much time. But you'll get glimpses of things as we go through. So they're outside. They're about to enter the sanctuary. And this is the song or the psalm that was sung as they are going from outside of the temple into the temple to worship God. And the entire psalm is about thanking God when things aren't going well. Now, just think about that for just, just a brief second. You've just shown up at church. You're about to go in to worship God, and the prelude, the invocation, whatever, is God is to be thanked no matter what's going on in your life. So even back in the time of this psalm, they recognized life's not always good. Sometimes it's really hard, but we have a God that needs to be thanked and praised no matter what. So take out your Bibles, turn over to Psalm 118, Psalm 118. And the first thing we see is this. All disciples are called to thank God for his steadfast love endures forever. Look down to verse one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. So right here from the beginning, the psalmist starts out and he says, okay, we need to thank God. And then he tells us two reasons we need to thank God. The the first is not a throwaway, but it's not the main point. The first is you thank God because he's good. So you know that whatever's going on in your life, whatever situation it may be, good, bad, top of the mountain, bottom of the valley, that you can trust God, that he's good, that he's there, that he's on your side. So we thank God for his goodness, not goodness and oh, he's a good guy, goodness in that he's going to be faithful and reliable and there for you. Then we're told, thank God because he's good, his love endures forever. Now that's just one word. Uh, It's a phrase to us, but it's the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed means the steadfast, never-ending love of God. It's never going to go away. This is uh, the number one word for love that's used in the Old Testament. And it's a lot more than love. It's something that's stubborn something that never gives up, something that hangs in there no matter what's going on in life. It is a steadfast, never-ending love that goes on forever. His love endures forever. So they're about to enter the temple here. And so before they go in, the very first thing they say is give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then the people respond with his love endures forever. And then he goes on in verse 2 and 3 and 4, and he repeats it. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. So before they ever empty... Oh, sorry, Japan. Uh, before they ever... Thank you, thank you. That, the reflexes are just off the chart, I've, I've got to say. Uh, so before they ever enter the temple... They're given this call to praise God because his love endures forever. Now, we're going to try that this morning, okay? So your line is, his love endures forever. Who thinks they've got that? His love endures forever. Let's just practice it one time. His love endures Okay, so we're going to do it like they would have done it then. Think about it. You're outside the door. They're about to open it and let you in. And someone walks up and says, let everyone in the United States say, let everyone in the state of Kentucky say, it's love let everyone in the city of Louisville say, love let everyone at Westport Road Baptist Church say, love let all who love the Lord say, love okay, can you see you're kind of ready to enter into the temple now to worship? And when you're entering into the temple, what's now on your mind? Very good, very good. All right, well, that's enough for today. Uh, So we've set up here that we're to thank God because he is good and his love endures forever. It's said four times in four sentences as our scripture starts out. So God is there. He's dependable. He's going to love you no matter what. It's kind of like if you've ever heard someone say, man, he's got a face only a mama could love or or something like that. You know, mama's going to love you uh, no matter what. Read an interesting story out of Liverpool, England this week. A 98 year old woman by the name of Ada Keating, who was living by herself and independent, checked herself into a nursing home because her 80 year old son had been put in the nursing home and needed somebody to care for him. Got a picture of Ada and her son, Tom, right here. And uh, when asked why she had done it, she simply said this You're never too old, and you never stop being a mama. Okay, so you never stop being a mama, no matter how old you get. And uh, so that's uh, kind of what we're being told here. No matter what happens in your life, his love is going to endure forever. He's good. So that's the first thing we see. Thank God because his steadfast love endures forever. Our psalm goes on, verses 5 through 21, and we're told we're to thank God because his everlasting love guides us through the challenges of life. Okay, his steadfast love endures forever. That means not everything in your life is always good, is it? Sometimes things are bad. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes uh, you've hit rock bottom. Sometimes you're overwhelmed. Even in those times, God's love is there with us. And so we're to thank him for that. Now, he tells us in these verses 5 through 21, three reasons that we can praise and thank God even in the midst of our troubles and problems. And the first is this, you can praise God in your problems and troubles because God's greater than your problems and troubles. God is greater than your enemies. He is greater than your enemies. Look down to verse six of our scripture. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph over all of my enemies. So we're told that God is greater than our fears and God is greater than our enemies in verses 6 and 7. So what I would ask you this morning is this. What are the things you're afraid of? What are your fears this morning? Uh, it could be anything. Who are your enemies? And when I say who are your enemies, don't think, oh, yeah, it's that neighbor that lives two doors down. They're my enemy. I'd like to get them. But, but what are your fears and enemies? Uh, maybe your fears and enemies are your health. And uh, you're worried about your health or the health of another person. Uh, And yet what you're being told in our scripture is you can thank God even in the midst of health problems because God's greater than your health problems. Maybe you're having relationship issues. You're having problems uh, getting along with another person, having troubles uh, in your marriage or with your friendships. And you're told even in those situations, even what you're afraid of, God is greater than your fears. Maybe you've got money woes or problems out in your work. But what we're being told here is that there is absolutely nothing, no fear, no enemy that you are ever going to come up against that's greater than your God because his love endures forever. So whenever you're hit with something, it doesn't mean your problems magically disappear. That's what we want God to do. God, I've got a problem. Make it magically disappear. That's not what we're told. We're told that God is with us. He's there with you. His love endures even in the midst of your problems. He's good and he's going to be there with you in your troubles. So whatever you're afraid of, whatever your enemy is, God's greater than it. A second reason we're told to praise God even in our troubles and to thank him is God becomes the only source of true, consistent help. He is our only true, consistent help. Other things are going to eventually let you down. Things that we, that we look for, things that we trust in, they're going to let us down. Only God is the consistent, true help. Look at verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust even in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. So we're told twice God is our refuge. Now, what's a refuge? A refuge is a place of shelter from pursuit, danger, or trouble. A place of shelter from pursuit, danger, or trouble. So if we're told God is our refuge, what you're being told is in your problem, in your troubles and challenges, the place you're supposed to run is God because he's going to be your refuge, your place you go for help and strength and encouragement. He's going to be there with you all the way in whatever comes upon you. So what are some of the things we depend on besides God when troubles come? One thing we depend on is ourselves. Is it always reliable to depend upon yourself? Who here in this room has ever let themselves down? Everybody in this room has let yourself down at one time or another. And you thought, how did I do something that dumb? What is wrong with me? Or I did that again. Or why didn't I do that? Uh, And we could, if you wanted to, you could just feel guilty all day long. So when problems and troubles come and big challenges happen, maybe what you need to do is say, hey, the person that lets me down all the time, that's who I'm going to depend on now. You're not going to be able to depend on yourself all the time. Now, I know that you're a big boy or girl, and you think you can buck up and do it all, but there's times you'll find you just can't. So then we depend on other people. Well, if you can't depend on yourself to take care of you, you think other people are going to do it? You know, probably not. They may love you a lot, uh, but but uh, everybody is going to let you down at one time or another. So then I've got the solution. Let's depend on the government. That'll work, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to help anybody here. I don't care which political party you are, be very afraid if you're depending on them uh, to take care of you. So then depend on the fact that you're rich and got a lot of resources. That can help you in a lot of situations, but there will be times in life that having all the money in the world is gonna help you with what you're going through. And so we depend on all of these things, but our only true consistent help is God. So God's greater than our enemies and fears and God is our only true consistent help. And then the third thing we're told in verse 13 and 14 is this. He is our strength, our defense, and our salvation. Look down at verse 13. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength, my defense, and has become my salvation. Strength, defense, and salvation. First of all, when you've got problems, troubles, challenges, to know that where you get your strength when you're, when you're at, your, at your lowest ebb is from God. He's your strength. Again, your trouble didn't disappear. In your trouble, you found strength from the God who's there for you always and forever and loves you and is there for you. He was your defense. When you felt like your enemies were attacking you and you were being overwhelmed, God was your defender in those times, your encourager, your helper. And he became your salvation, not just your salvation over your troubles, but your salvation in life and with your soul. He came and changed your life and gives you ultimate salvation in God. Verse 21 says, I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. So God is the one that that when you cannot do things to even save yourself any longer. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be saved. Your strength, your defender, your salvation. I'm going to jump back, Stephanie, to something uh, uh, there just a second ago. Anybody see Taylor Swift on the Jimmy Fallon show last week? Really uh, uh, a neat neat segment that was there. And a lot going on that people didn't know about. Jimmy Fallon's mom had passed away. And uh, he was uh, first episode that he had come back. I'm going to read you what he said and then what happened with Taylor Swift. This is what Jimmy Fallon said. You know, the monologue is supposed to be funny. This was his monologue. As some of you know, my mother Gloria passed away recently, and I canceled every show last week to be with my family. My heart is broken. She was the best audience I had. She was the one I was always trying to make laugh. She was my biggest fan, and I cried for a week. When I was little, my mom would walk us to the store, me and my sister. She would hold my hand, and she would squeeze my hand three times and say, I love you, and I would squeeze her hand back and say, I love you as well. Last week in the hospital was the last time she did that to me. I knew we were in trouble. I told her I loved her and held her hand as she passed away. Taylor Swift was not supposed to be on the show that night. They just asked her to be on because she happened to be in New York. And uh, they thought it would be a nice treat for Jimmy to have a surprise like that. So she was going to sing a song called New Year's Day from her new album, Reputation. Got a picture of her on the Tonight Show that night right there. So when they went to her, as soon as the monologue was over, she just sat there for a second. And nobody could figure out what she was doing. And then she sang the song. And in the middle of the song, there is a line that she didn't write for the show that was just in the song. And the song was... You take my hand and squeeze it three times, and you tell me that you love me. And pretty soon, everyone in the room, <laughs> including Jimmy Fallon, are bawling, crying. And afterwards, the producer of the show said, "We thought she just stuck that line in. Nobody had heard the song before; it was brand new." And it was later she told us, "No, that was just part of the song I had written." And the producer said, "This, you know, I don't think he might have been the greatest uh, believer in God in the world." He said. It was just a little bit spooky. Things were going on that were greater than people that night. Now, think about that for a second. Probably a guy that doesn't believe in God at all, but somewhere saying something happened here tonight that was greater than people. A strength, a defense, an encouragement that you can't find consistently anywhere else that comes from God. So in verse 15, we're just told because of those things, because he's our strength, defense, and shield, he's greater than our fears and enemies, uh, because uh, uh, he is the one that is always going to be there for us and is a true, consistent help, we should praise God. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Now, again, you're about to enter into worship. You're still out there. They go through this whole litany of things of all that. God's greater than enemies. He's your most consistent help. He's going to give you strength, defense, and victory. And then they told, we're to praise God. And then everybody starts going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's a pretty good worship service. You're not even entered in the temple yet. They're still trying to get inside to worship. So we're told to praising God is the natural reaction to what we've just heard. So everybody in the world, when they have problems and troubles now, automatically go and praise God, right? What do you think? Is that what everybody does? No. Most of us don't even praise God when things are good. We don't even praise God for that litany of things that we should, on the normal end, be praising God for. And that's the next thing that we see. An ungrateful person is sinning by missing all that God is doing in their life. Look down to verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done this this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Now, who else said the stone the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone? Anybody remember? That's what Jesus said. Jesus referred this very scripture to himself. I'm the stone the builders rejected. What is being talked about in context in our scripture is this: the psalmist is saying, "Okay, God is doing great things in your life, but so many people are ignoring it. But it's the cornerstone that you're hanging on. You might not think that God's there, or that He cares. All oh, you can see, you can't see past your problem. You see, that's our our trouble. When we have troubles, we can't see past them." But what he's saying here, if you could look past it, what you would see is God is right there in the midst of your trouble. He's the cornerstone holding it all together if you would just recognize it. But we're not very good at recognizing God or his help or what's there. Now, some people just irritate me. Anybody irritate you? People irritate me when I'm trying to go home and I'm getting off Hirschburn Lane onto Brownsboro Road and it's about five o'clock and they pull out in the middle of the intersection Right when the light turns yellow, and then when it turns red, nobody can go. And everybody's just blowing the horn. And then it turns green on the other side, and they just keep packing the intersection. And nobody goes any forward. Those people irritate me. I'm sorry, they do. The person irritates me very sincere, and I'm sure that you're here today. And God bless you for saving money. But that I'm behind in Walmart, and they pull out 100,000 coupons. That just irritates me. I think, oh, my goodness, I'll give you the $2. You know, just, just go. You know, just, just let, that, let that be done right there. The person that talks on their phone in the movie theater, unless it's me. But, but you know, sometimes that, that does happen. But that still irritates me uh, when that happens. How about the person that reminds the teacher to take up the homework because they did such a good job on it? Yeah, that this yes, bad, bad. That's that's not those people irritate you. But you know who irritates me the most? People that are ungrateful. I don't know why, but that always stands out to me when people are not grateful, and you see it all the time. Even people that should be very, very grateful. I wanna uh, talk about ungrateful people for a second? This was from an article uh, in that great religion magazine, Vanity Fair talked about ungrateful people it said ungrateful people have these characteristics they are very needy and demand that you take care of them and nobody else they don't have time for you unless they need something they expect you to help them and they get mad if you don't they're always alienating people because they bite the hand that feeds them because they don't recognize that they are being helped they're never satisfied they're entitled They're bitter, they feel like they're a victim, and nobody likes to be around them. Ungrateful people, and we see that all the time. What makes people ungrateful? I think one reason is we're just not thinking. Uh, A lot of times we just go through the world and we don't think about what's going on or all that we have to be grateful for. We can't see past our agenda and our problems. Another problem, especially today, is we just feel entitled. Uh, We feel like we deserve everything. People ought to give it to us and cater to us. And so we feel very entitled. That's something we really have today. (coughs) Uh, But you see uh, ungrateful people all the time. But then we're reminded in our scripture of this. God's good. He's going to love you forever, no matter what happens in your life. He's greater than any fear or enemy that you have. He's your only true, consistent help every single time that problems come upon you in life. He's your strength, your defender, your savior. And when we think about those things, our psalm ends like this. So consider all that God has done for you and praise him. Look down, if you will, to verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, that was used when Jesus went into Jerusalem. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. He's made his light shine upon us with bowls in our hand, join in the festal procession. Up to the horns of the altar. Now, again, think this right here. They've gone through this whole psalm. And then they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. May the Lord bless you. His light shines upon you. Let's go into the house and worship. Okay, this, they're not even inside to worship yet. Uh, and they're doing pretty good. You are my God, I will praise you. You are my God, I exalt you. And then listen to how it ends. Give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His love endures forever. That we do have a lot to be grateful for, even in the midst of our troubles. San Francisco 49ers have a player that plays for them by the name of Marquise uh, Goodwin. And Marquise this year had zero touchdowns. Only had three passes caught all year long. Wasn't having a great season. Uh, He caught seven passes, I think, last week including a touchdown pass, and San Francisco won their first game of the year. Uh, So he would have a lot to be thankful for, you'd think, right? I've been bad all year, suddenly I catch all these passes, I get a touchdown and we win our first game. Got a picture of Marquise Goodwin here. When he scored his touchdown, he fell down to his knees and broke down and started crying. Nobody, including his teammates, knew what was going on. This is what Marquise Goodwin said, in the locker room afterwards talking to reporters. Most people don't know, but last night my wife and I lost our young baby. I just wanna thank those who genuinely prayed for us. Our hearts are filled with gratitude at the friends and family that we have. Listen to the gratitude over and over again. You have been with me and my wife throughout this pregnancy. Unfortunately, our little baby boy went to be with the Lord at 4 a.m. this morning after severe complications. We are hurt, our hearts are broken, but we are grateful to God for the experience of being able to be with that child even for a day or two. We are grateful that God, I am grateful that God blessed me with a wife who is as courageous and resilient as my Morgan is. The pain is physical, it is mental, it is emotional. I am wiped out. But in the midst of this, I look at all that happened on the field today, and I can't believe that God wasn't smiling down, and I am grateful. So there's a guy that has everything in the world to say, I should be angry and I should be hurt. And yet in the midst of it all, he talked five times in one paragraph about being grateful, grateful for his friends who were supporting him, grateful for his wife who had endured so much, grateful for what God was doing in the midst of his troubles. You see, we have a lot that we can be grateful for and yet, we miss it all the time because we're not thinking all the time about the big picture. And so, when problems and troubles come, just remember that little phrase that you said earlier and repeat it every time those troubles come. For his love endures forever. You will never go through anything in this life that the love of God will not endure with you. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you care for us so much, that you're with us in all the good and the bad of life. Father, help us to be grateful for your presence in all that you're doing and to recognize that. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.